Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, we welcome Tom Arnone, director of the Monmouth County Board of Chosen Freeholders. Tom was gracious enough to take some time from his schedule to tell us about a $10 million grant Monmouth County has secured to help small businesses weather the COVID crisis. He also tells us a bit about what a freeholder actually does and a bit about his grandfather's bar and growing up in and around Asbury. Welcome, Tom. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. It's July 17th. I'm here with Joe Walsh and Ming from Shared Universe and Hello. Freehold Director Tommy Arnone. Welcome, Hello Tommy. there. Hello there. How, how is everybody? Hanging, I'm hanging in. Good. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, so I, far so good. Good. So I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but like from the civil unrest to the pandemic, like Asbury seems to try getting our, trying to get our beaches open, trying to get expanded dining done. In the last like two weeks or so, we've had like somewhat of a nice, um, not lull, right? It hasn't been like going a 360 every day. Um, so so that's, been, that's at least been nice here in Asbury Park. It has. Um, yeah. So, Tommy, I'm good. Before we get into the grant program and the testing and everything that the county's doing, can you tell us a little bit of who you are, how you got involved in politics, and the name of your game? Sure. So, <laughs> um, I'm freeholder Tom Arnone, as as a, as Amy stated there in the beginning, and so I guess I started many years ago, 25 years ago, uh, when I became a councilman in Neptune City. At that and I see, and I was a councilman there for eight years, and then I ran for the mayor's position there, and I was victorious, and I served as mayor there for seven years, and um, then I decided to run for the role of freeholder, and I've been there nine years, and um, it's been a it's been a run, it's been a long run, but um, a lot of good things, and I think a lot. A lot of our success hinges on our relationships with our municipalities. I, I actually don't think I know it does. And the, I, I say this over and over again. I was mayor for seven years, like I stated, and councilman for eight. And take nothing away from the freeholders at that time. But um, it was minimal. And I vowed that if I was victorious there, um, that was going to change because I, I think the county can really help our towns. Um, it has the ability because we're so large and the resources, but I don't think, I don't think it was there in the past. And, um, so I, I hope we changed it. 
And of those three positions, Tommy, which one do you like the best? Council person, mayor, freeholder? So, so it's funny you say that. Um, I, I love May. I love being a mayor. Um, and it was a it was a small town, but I'm also an individual that, um, as as I'm sure you know, Amy, I don't really like to stay idle. So I set goals, I finish them, and if there isn't too many more goals at that time, I kind of like stray, and that's where I strayed from council to mayor to free older. So I will say right now, I really enjoy being free older. Um, I have a board that is is works with me very well and um and i'm one of the senior members so they they give me a lot of reins there um but obviously obviously i keep them informed and and have them part of each and every decision making um they were all unique i would say i would say i never would have thought i would have said that i would have enjoyed the free older more than being a mayor but um it really is becoming um a, a real big passion and Tommy, nobody knows what a freeholder does. So can you take us through, Go. and how many times are you asked, what does a freeholder do? Because I'm asked that quite so often. It's, and, and it's so easy. So, and I'll, I'll compare it to Asbury Park. So Asbury Park has roads. We have a thousand miles lanes of roads that we take care of. We also have bridges on top of it. Asbury Park has the police department. We have the sheriff's office and the prosecutor's office. Asbury Park has schools. We have high tech, biotech, wall communications, um, allied and mass. We also have a college, Brookdale. We have numerous parks all across the county, numerous, numerous parks, um, golf courses, um, libraries, um, all those things. It is, and I truly mean this when I say this, um, in my eyes, it's the mayor and council of 53 towns. Um, we oversee and be there on our duties and those duties that I basically um, stated there, that those job functions that I stated there. So when I say that, everybody, and I speak a lot, as you know, in schools and stuff like that, like, oh, my goodness. they We have a budget. You have a budget. Our budget is $449 million. Um, we also have 630,000 residents in Monmouth County, one of the largest um, counties in the state of New Jersey. And uh, so it's it's very complicated. We have, as you know, dealing with personnel and unions and all that, we probably have about 40 different unions I negotiate. Reclamation Center is another function. Um, shade tree, buildings and grounds, highway department, um, it's, it's just scat, all the scat vehicles that you see driving around. So it's much more complicated than I ever would have thought. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm very hands-on as you know. Um, and so I'm very involved. I'm fortunate enough. We're all, we all have liaisons like you, I'm sure do there in Asbury. We all have your departments that your liaison on. And I actually have probably more of the more visible departments. So when people say, well, we only see Tom Arnone as on the free homes. Well, they all have their functions. My departments are, are very, um, visible. And I'll probably never get rid of them either. <laughs> but, um, but so it's, you know, it's, it's a very tough job. And it's funny because I have said this to Steve, Steve Sweeney and Chris Christie, which were both freeholders. And, and they, and they would have vowed for it. Both of those individuals that would vow. And if you ask any senator 
or assemblyman or a woman uh, um, say, ask them what is, what is tougher. Nine, nine and a half out of 10 will tell you it isn't even a comparison. It's by far the most difficult government position to hold because of, and I never would have thought that. I never my wildest dreams, but any person that has served in the role, hands down, will tell you it is the most complicated um, government position because you have to remember, and and we have great senators in, in District 11. You know my relationship with Vin is mm-hmm. is very good, um, but they have 15, 16 towns. We have 53. So it's complicated, and, and, and it's complicated because it's so diverse and so different that when you are an upper freehold and, and, and I'll compare Asbury Park and Asbury Park, we like the commotion. We like the business. We want people to be thriving. We want traffic, hustle, bustle in upper freehold. They want nothing but horses and open land. And, you know, you've got to balance that when you're, when you're dealing with all those communities, it's so unique and different. Obviously my passion is as you know, as I'm in Asbury Park every weekend, at night in a restaurant somewhere or another, that that's what I um, gravitate to. So it's it's really complicated. It's really a tough, tough position to hold. Tom, this uh, Joe, uh, I just wanted to jump in. Uh, it's interesting. The freeholders exist somewhat. In, um, you know, people don't know what they do, right? Which is this odd, considering the, the size of the job. This is weird. Um, you know, um, counterintuitive sense that people don't know what it does, but it really controls so many things. And I was unaware of how complicated much of the county government was until, or many, maybe like many people to start seeking out services. So when my, my mother, um, uh, you know, passed away recently, but when she was old, you know, as she aged into, and we needed some care, we started looking for the Monmouth County, um, adult and aged, you know, housing and, you know, there's a lot of services that the county runs that people probably don't think of until they need it. And that's a pretty complicated uh, job on, uh, at least for, yeah, for, from a civilian point of view. Especially in the social service department and the human services department. Absolutely. You are spot on when you say that. And, you know, it's, it's also confusing. Um, in, in Monmouth County, unlike other, other, any of the other counties. So we have 21 counties, but only one county is a freeholder and they have a freehold borough. They have a freehold township and they have an upper freehold. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of a complication and confusion there. And, um, and as you know, we're going through this name change, which I'm not, I'm not totally against the name change as everybody thinks I am. I'm, I'm, against the timing of it mm. i'm against that we're in a pandemic we're 10 billion dollars in the hole um and we businesses are, are struggling unemployment is high and i'm i'm a focused person that likes to just focus on on the major issues first and i wouldn't be focusing on that but it's not my decision so whatever it is i'll be fine with it's the, ultimately the governor's decision. Tommy, who's to yeah, it, is. It, it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes through the legislation, and then they, um, and then they, um, then you know, the governor signs off on it. And I've spoken to the governor on it as of last week, um, and he knows my feelings on it. I was like, Governor, you know, I just at the end of the day, I like to prioritize, and and quite frankly, I think there's many many names because this is obviously why they're doing it a long time and an offensive 
part of what the name really means um, and how it was created. I think there's numerous, numerous offensive names that I think we should clean sweep out. Um, and I've even volunteered to be on an ad hoc committee with mayors and freeholders to put in and do a clean sweep instead of picking off one at a time. Let's get in there. Let's dig in. Let's look at all the names that we think are offensive to all people here in Monmouth County or in the state of New Jersey. And if they need to be changed, they need to be changed. I think that's a good point. And I think um, making using language across the board that's more inclusive is always better. But I hear what you're saying. We're in the middle of a pandemic and um, you're just trying to keep a number of businesses um, surviving at, at this point. At least in Asbury, that's what we're doing. Sure. And and I will tell you, Amy. I'm sure you you know you know this better than anybody. I mean, we right this pandemic with the towns on the on boots on the ground. The county and the governor have been you know really the focal points of government here, and that's why when we get into the next phase of our discussion and talking about um, the CARES Act money and how that has evolved, it's so the money is directly coming from us. It's a decision we can make. Um, we made, and, and that's a decision that, you know, I personally made soon as we filled that application out, which I'll, I'll get to because it wasn't the most popular app, uh, thing to do with the state of New Jersey. Cause if it did not come to us, it would have went to the state. Um, I chose, I wanted it to stay here in Monmouth County and, um, it's a decision I made. And as, as you know, the director and, um, I stand behind it. And I think in the long run, everybody that's, going to benefit from it will will agree and also i'm going to give you credit tommy when we were going through all of the um the drama with the indoor diamond dining which i think you know and most people know that was really about getting guidelines for our restaurants sure um you know we weren't we, we didn't expect anyone to open within a few days but we certainly wanted some guidelines so they could buy partitions or move their tables or get a new ventilation or get a price on a new ventilation system whatever it is they had to do so uh much appreciated um um, your support on that that you know there is now no guideline for it but um at the time we appreciated your support we'd still have a guideline <laughs> on it um so i'm gonna get into t- before we get into the grant stuff which i want to i definitely want to focus on um just you know i know a little bit about how the county has responded to covid and the freeholder board has responded to covid but can you talk a little bit about that Sure. So ironically, and, and, and unfortunately, I guess you could say, um, and I'll never forget that date. It was somewhere around March 9th when I received the call from my administrator, Terry O'Connor. Like, and we were just starting to see numbers coming in in Bergen County pretty heavily. They, they were the biggest county uh, initially. And I received the call that we had our first positive case, and that was in Red Bank. And it was a student at Red Bank Regional, and you know, very well publicized. Um, and I, uh, I, I met with Terry, our administrator, and I said, Terry, we're going to hit this ground floor. We're going to get right on this and stay on it. I had a press conference the next day, which I want to thank Channel 12, and at that time, Channel 7, 2, 4, and everybody's broadcasting them. And what I said is we're going to get the information out, we're gonna, and we're going to shut down immediately. So at that time, I immediately shut down the offices. 
of, of the county where, you know, the outside public could not come in. And we started the process at that time, as time, as stuff started to evolve over the next 10 days and two weeks, we ended up being the number two county with the most positive cases. I remember that. And um, it was concerning. It was very concerning. Obviously, you know, I will tell you, and I've said this in every press conference, I never took a COVID-19 test to be a, um, a freeholder um, or a course, I should say, as as the governor didn't, as the president didn't, as nobody did, um, as a mayor didn't, as a council person didn't. Um, and so we were, we were coming in this blind. And we were a little bit more unique because um, of the way our health departments are structured, which I will change when this is all over. Um, so a lot of towns have their own health departments, uh, especially the larger ones. Then we have a regional health department, and then you have our Monmouth County Health Department. So in information coming out and going out was very difficult, and we were falling behind because of that. Where then I had, um, and Ben and I worked on it very closely to bring everything together so that it had to be dispersed from the county. What was unfortunate was the numbers were inaccurate in the beginning, and a lot of it had to do with zip codes. So I'll use my hometown of Neptune City um, and Neptune with the same zip code. So that's the way they were tracking the positive cases. So they were not coming in correctly because you would have a case in Neptune City and it was being tallied in Neptune. And vice versa. So we had the same issue here, Tommy. Right? Because part of um, yeah, part of Ocean Township, Wanamasa has the 07712 area code. Yeah, and and that was problematic. So and then you have you know and and I and I totally understand people were somewhat upset. The information comes from um, the, the state and the CDC, and comes from all the the health department, the state health department, where obviously and understandably there is HIPAA rules and regs that you have to the guidelines that you have to adhere to. So that was making it difficult. And then we were not finding, um, not only were we, well, we were finding positive cases, but now as we evolve, we're not finding out how many people have been cured, um, which would be helpful to have that balance, but um, nobody will provide that information. And we don't get that information. We're just a pass-through on the county side of the health department there. So it's been complicated. But with that being said, we put in complete measures. Then we shut the county down. I've never furloughed anybody. I've never held anybody's salary back. Um, I, I will say this, that I'm very, very happy to say that Monmouth County is extremely financially stable. Um, and, and I think the years of their stability has allowed us to overcome the, the financial difficulties that maybe we wouldn't have been able to overcome. So we came in and, you know, I worked every day. I did not miss a day in the office. Um, I felt it was my obligation um, to be in there. My administrator and myself worked every day and we stayed on. And we were the only county in the state of New Jersey that held a weekly press conference to our residents, which was extremely well received with updates, continual updates, and then moving forward. So our first initiative was the health and safety, getting things back to where we felt people were comfortable, make sure they're staying home, make sure they're, you know, everybody's doing the right thing. Then we evolved into getting some sort of survival mode to the businesses with takeout and Monmouth and moving things over to that way. Then we started to structure when we go back 
the, the COVID-19 preparation to come back to work. So, you know, we, we had a plan on everything we did. And I think our plan and our education to the, to the public put us very quickly from number two in the state of New Jersey to number nine in the state of New Jersey. And if you, and putting that in perspective, people will say, well, um, number nine, you still have a lot more counties. Well, if you go by population, that's not the case because we're the fourth largest county in the state of New Jersey and we were number nine in, in cases. And then you have some counties like Morris and all them. I mean, you know, we have, we have some towns larger than counties, Middletown being one of them. You know, they have 60 something thousand people just in Middletown and there's counties that are not even that big. So um, then, you know, then we started to put the, uh, the pieces to go back to work. Now I'm, I'm looked at in some people's eyes as, as pushing the envelope with, with getting the business climate back. But I, I have a complete, complete faith in, in the adults at least, in moving forward in a safety precaution. When a person, and I feel, I feel strongly about this, if, uh, if a family does not feel comfortable going inside a restaurant or going inside a retail store, they're not gonna go. Um, so th that's a, a choice that they make. And I don't force them to go there, but I also have to give the ability, and it was mind boggling to me, and I'm gonna use a, a little example that really probably set me off. Um, I was running, as you know, Amy, I run down the beaches all the time, and, and um, a woman needed a pair of sandals. And the place she walked into, because I was grabbing a cup of coffee next door, was not open. Now, I run past this business often, and if they have five people in it at the most, you know, it's really not a tremendous amount of people, but it's, it's consistent. And I'm like, so five people cannot go in that store, but this same woman could drive up to Walmart with 500 people in it to get those same sandals. That was kind of confusing to me, the the process there of, of why that was, um, that was allowed. That so, was confusing for a lot of people, Tommy. <laughs> so, Very confusing. So, so that bothered me. And then, of course, the restaurants. And as you know, um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of our dining here in Monmouth County because I think we have the best, and I think we have the best business owners. And I, more importantly, know the profit margin. Yes. Do we have some restaurant owners here in the county that could probably overcome a year of being shut down? Yes. But it's a small part of those business, of those individuals. There are a lot of businesses, costs rise, insurance rise, employment rises, all those things rise, which take from the bottom line number of an owner's ability to, for a profit. And any closing of that period of time is really a devastating period for those businesses. So I felt strongly that people will make the right decision. I have a lot of friends that have never been out to an outside dining yet, and that's their choice. But there's been a lot of people that have. And I don't think that's gonna be the issue. I do believe, I do believe our, our younger generation is gonna take us a little bit of a setback. And I don't, I don't know if it's purposely, they just feel like, you know, I'm indestructible on it. And so what if I get 
a fever for a day. They, I truly do believe they feel that way. And, and quite frankly, I probably would have felt that way at that age. So, um, but what it's doing is they don't realize the effect that they're giving to others that are maybe a little older. And that's, that's something we're going to have to struggle with in the next few weeks, I think. The one thing I'll say to that, Tommy, is I also got a lesson on our health departments. I didn't, I had, I, I mean, I, I vaguely knew they existed, but, you know, I certainly didn't know there were several and there were different ones. You know, um, Ocean Township has the Mama yeah. County. Yeah, yeah, like, so that, yeah. So the, all of those things were, um, all of those things were a learning lesson, a learning lesson for, for us as well. So listen, let's get to the, Joe, did you have something? Oh, so let's get to the grant um, sure. because I want to talk about the grant and I want to talk about testing two really, really amazing things coming out of the County. Um, and let's start with the 10 mil. Okay. So here, um, what we were at the, the County, like I stated before, we were fortunate enough and I made that decision to apply for a, uh, um, a CARES Act grant, not knowing what that would be, how much it would be, um, but I knew we were eligible because we had a population over 500,000. The state really truly did not want us to apply for them and it would all went to the state and they would have dispersed it. Myself and nine and eight other counties felt different about that. And what they did is when we applied, <laughs> we were fortunate enough to get $108 million from that. And after we received the $108 million, I put it into a priority on what I wanted that money to go to. First and foremost, I wanted to reimburse the municipalities for COVID-related expenses. And we started on March 1st to June 15th. We, and the towns, including Asbury Park, has already been dispersed their money. Then we will start over again until September 15th, which I'm sure Asbury will have expenses occurred um, and all the other 52 municipalities. And then the last one will go till December 30th. So we know we took care of the process with the municipalities. Next was the business climate. So what we created was a program for businesses under 50 employees. Um, under 50 employees, and we will pay up to three months of their rent, or if they own the building, the, um, the interest component of the mortgage, or any COVID-related expenses up to $10,000. We're putting it all together now so that we can streamline the process and make it as accessible and easy and quick to our businesses. And that's what's most important, and that's why I chose not to go through the state and the EDA. Take, take nothing away from them, but I just felt that our process would be a little quicker and we pulled it that same quick response to our municipalities. As Amy, you know, you guys dispersed your reimbursements to us from Asbury Park on, on June 16th. I had your money back to you by June 30th um, there. So that's what I want to do with the businesses. That also goes for 501c3s. So... We're, we're doing that round. Then I'm going to go next because I got to systematically make sure I have enough money. So I don't want to leave anybody out. Next, I'm going to go to veterans and special needs type of, of um, programs. Those are going to be my next. And as I evolve right back around, who knows? I could be back to the business climate again. So um, we received $108 million. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, I never had $108 million to disperse. I can tell you that. 
and so that's that's the goal with the grant. Um, it's pretty simple. Um, it's pretty. And take us. I know, you, Tommy. I know you mentioned rent, but like, if people bought partitions, all that stuff. Um, yeah, all, all of that kind of stuff is now going to be covered um, for small businesses. And requirements. How many? Uh, Fifty employees or less? Yeah, fifty employees or less. And the only thing that you'll have to provide to us is either a copy of your lease, obviously the proof that you you have a a, a lease, or some sort of um, some sort of information pertaining to your mortgage and your your interest component. Then, of course, the COVID related expenses are just receipts. And and like if you had to hire cleaning a cleaning service to do a, a like that would that be stuff that you would entertain? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. I, I I think like so I don't we before you came on this podcast, Ming and I were talking a little bit about who got the PPP um, loans, and so the one thing I'll say I love the county limited to fifty. You know, there's a subset, and as there's two, there's two grant programs that I'm loving right now. One is the county is for less than 50 employees, and the other is um, Vin and iStar did one for less than four or five employees, um, which is perfect because they hit niches in Asbury Park that many of them either didn't apply for PPP or um, uh, didn't, you know, didn't didn't apply and didn't get it, or you know, didn't meet some requirements. So. In Asbury, there's a wide range of businesses, places like the Smith Group that has, you know, 100, 200 employees, and then places like um, Kathy Kelly, who has Paranormal Bookstore, and that has two, you know, two employees. Um, so, yeah, very exciting. And, and the application will be out. So, we, we, I hope that the application on any time from around, definitely before this month has ended. Um, that's the goal. Um, there. And if that's the case, um, it's going to be the process to fill out and then uh, the application. And then we actually, when you're approved, we'll direct deposit it to your account, the check. So there's going to be no, you know, we're going to, we really structurally are trying to do this to make it as easy and efficient and obviously quick to our business climate. No, that sounds great. Joe, did you have something? No, I'm just letting this roll because it's you guys. It's it's pretty. It's it's a lot of information that people need to hear. So my side questions are just going to get in the way. <laughs> well, do your side questions because you start to ask a question and then I stop because you look like you're going to ask a question and then you don't ask a question, which is throwing me well, off. Well, I was trying to figure it out. You know, uh, you and I have talked about this uh, at other times, Amy. Like, you know, if the regarding restaurants, if they if they have to close the inside again, and I was um, I'm thinking about um, the the assistant secretary for for health for um, Health and Human Services, Admiral uh, Brett Gerard mentioned in an NPR interview the other day that, that bars and uh, restaurants may have to close again in hotspots and the, at least inside. So, you know, until we get a vaccine or some sort of a treatment, we, we run the risk of that happening again. Would municipalities, either the county or Asbury, have the ability to help, you know, in addition to this funding, create uh, outside infrastructure that will allow restaurants to open, expand outside. Like, so, you know, I think, like, what if we turned to Cookman Avenue into like a food court that had some sort of retractable awning to that could be there for the rest of the winter? So at least they could increase sales for people who are nervous about going inside. Or if HHS says, oh no, no, close bars for a time, they can still continuing operating. But I don't know if that's a feasibility. So, I, that's a major. That's a, that's a very good question because mm -hmm. let's let's just say mm -hmm. just 
just for our own discussion that next Friday, the governor decides that Monday, um, 50% of the restaurants could open inside. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, they're still going to struggle because the average person is not going inside. Right now, the, the mindset to the average person is that they're not going to go inside and eat. And I have asked this question to I can't tell you how many people, and they say, nah, we're going to stick to the outside even if they do open up. Mm-hmm. And that's concerning. That's concerning because what we're going to do is we're going to run into if we should get some sort of um, re- resurgence or hot spots and we run into the holiday season, that could be devastating to a lot of businesses that really rely on um, holiday parties and mm-hmm. different events and stuff like that that they no longer will get, it will really truly put people out of business. No, it, absolutely. I used to be a chef, and you talk about the the narrow margins. Like that is, you know, that is not a, um, an exaggeration. You know, that is, um, you know, when we were um, when we were in the kitchen, if we placed our, we'd have to place our. Well, this is before the internet. We would have to place our food orders on a Friday for the weekend. And if we placed our food order for a Saturday and then Sam Champion said it was going to snow on Thursday, that was it. <laughs> you just lost the, the whole weekend was ruined. And so restaurants like live on narrow margins. So, you know, expanding outside um, areas because right, there's a certain amount of clientele. They're not coming back in until for the foreseeable future, but they can still maintain a revenue stream for the next year or two outside is, you know, probably, every business probably has this in the back of the mind. How do I do this in the winter? You know, we'll end up, we're going to look at like, like restaurants in Prague with those heat lamps outside all, all year round. You know, well, you want to know what's really concerning to me is, is the businesses that are BYOBs. Yeah. And the reason for that is because obviously um, Mm -hmm. the, the, the businesses that have liquor license, obviously the liquor license margin is much more. Everybody knows that there's no common, Mm -hmm. you know, secret there. Okay. So, when you have a BYOB, obviously people tend to go to places that have an alcohol, uh, a liquor license. And if they don't, there's got to be something that draws there, an exceptional food product or something like that. So their margin usually is a little less. And, they, you know, to, to survive on 50% inside a BYOB is, is difficult. Mm. I have to also, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention to your point, Joe and Tommy, I don't know if you're experiencing this retail. So everyone's like restaurants, 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 and rightfully so, as Mary's known for the restaurants and quite frankly, their retail. But there's also this thing happening, at least downtown, Joe, where um, because we've put people in the middle of the street, that's affecting our retail who aren't getting the window shoppers walking by the window. So Tommy, I don't know if you know, but we closed down Cookman, Parks oh, of Madison. Yeah, yeah. Par- yep. Oh, yeah. So we closed all that down, which was great for the restaurants because they were all telling us they're dying. And, and, but the effect of that has now been people who kind of stop and look in the window of paranormal. Well, paranormal is not one of them, but w- one of these retailers, um, a retailer downtown, right? The, the window shoppers that because we've moved people out to the street that we're now hearing that's affecting their business, right? These people aren't coming in. They're not getting off the street. So trying to marry a plan that helps both the restaurants and also helps the retail and getting people at least looking at, you know, uh, window displays and, and, and things like that has been 
I'll be honest, challenging to say the least. Yeah, um, I agree. Trying I to make agree. both of those two entities happy in, you know, what is probably six or seven, you know, I don't even know if it's probably four blocks, four or five blocks altogether has been, has been really, really difficult for us. And then you add, and I was going to ask you about this, Tommy, you add our art scene, which you know, Asbury is very, very well known for. Our galleries are, you know, hemorrhaging. Um, and so I, I, would, I would be remiss if I didn't ask or, or at least put on the radar, you know, some funding maybe eventually oh, so for some of our galleries. Actually, actually, I, actually, I have that on the radar already. And we received um, some, some um, I guess, um, extra HUD funding. That money is going to all the arts. So we are going to, we will be breaking out uh, initiative for our arts, whether it's the arts program here in, in Asbury Park, all the different arts periods, you know, the Count Basies, the Two River Times, the Mammoth Arts, the Asbury Park um, Film Festival, all those, all those people have been in contact with us on, on initiatives to get them some added funding. The problem is these funding sources are, are pretty much, um, I guess like they're not survival grants. They might be a lifeline to help you get move out a little to hopefully something gets better. Um, what's concerning is if it does not get better. And that's where we get to the next phase of as what um, we're talking about today, and that's the testing center. This is important right now. This is vitally important to move us into the right direction here, um, you know, health, health and safety wise, which obviously will be economically positive in the, in the end if we achieve this. So, you know, as we know, um, I'm going to be having a press conference at the Asbury Park train station on Tuesday. And we went in and I was contacted by an individual, Jeremy Grumman from the Grumman Foundation. And we after a long discussion, him and I partnered up in a, in a public-private partnership that probably will grow from here. But initially, um, the Grumman Foundation has, has um, put in $250,000. The county has matched it out of our CARES Act money. And I felt the more populated urban areas that I wanted to focus on were um, Keensburg, Long Branch, Asbury, Neptune, and Freehold Borough. Initially, that could expand. And I've been asked that question. I said, guys, I'm a firm believer of doing things right. By, you know, we're a big county. If I blast it out, I can sure you will fail. Um, and so I, I isolated it to those. It's going to be um, six days a week from three o'clock in the evening till seven o'clock at night at one of those municipalities, not, not, not isolated to those municipalities, but in one of those municipalities. And um, it's gonna be a testing center and it's gonna be run by um, our Monmouth County Health Department, administered through our OEM, along with the municipal OEMs. And if you come in there and you have insurance, great. If you don't, also great. Um, and, I have to believe, you know, our urban areas are certain areas because we, I think we're, I think we're missing the boat here that right now, and, and let's hope this isn't the case, but one of the three of us could be sitting here talking and get tested and be positive. 
you don't necessarily have to be sick. And, but what that does do is um, it doesn't give people that don't feel totally bad to go get tested. Now they might just go because it's easy to get the access to it and it's affordable. So can I also say what is great about this program and, um, uh, I, I posted about it on Facebook and then a number of people either commented on the post or privately messaged, um, me. It was my post, although, you know, a lot of people were, you know, very pro this program, um, is the asymptomatic Tommy. That seems to be the thing that people are getting turned away for testing. So the fact that it's free and asymptomatic is, exactly. you know, really progressive there. And, and, you know, and here's a, here's, and, you know, and I'll, I'll be frank. And um, when I say this is a start of it, if I have to continue this, I'm going to continue it. I mean, because I truly do believe this is the only way because it's called herd immunity. And, you know, once you go over, and I, and I think it's 51% of the people that are immune to it, you have hit the, you know, the, you're on the right track there. So, um, like I said, these are all things that systematically we are putting together to make sure that Monmouth County is um, safe physically and economically. That's our goal. I think you can't stress enough how important the testing is. I mean, that frees people up in terms of expanding freedom of movement. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, uh, we're going on vacation uh, next week with two other couples. We had, you know, we had rented this house before the crisis. And the only reason we're going is that we were able to access through our health insurance, luckily, um, COVID testing. And, you know, if we all test negative, then we're going to go. Um, with, if we didn't have the testing, we wouldn't go, and then the revenue of that person wouldn't have gotten the house, et cetera. Like, yeah. It allows people to move economically when they realize that they're not a danger to other people and they don't have to stay in their house. You know, so if they're exercising, if they have a, a negative test and they're wearing a mask, they probably feel free to go into the retail places and a lot of and a lot more. And it would increase movement and activity, which so I, I, I really can't uh, stress enough how, how great that is that you're doing this. And, what, and the only thing that I'm a little concerned about is um, – and, and, and I will tell you, because I know it's coming, and I have to stress the mayors and the councils in the municipalities to, um, to buy into this, I think, correct presentation is there is no question, there is no question in my mind or anybody that really, really thinks this out. When we start this program, our numbers are going up. Okay, so I we don't look and I don't want people to take that as a negative, because as long as our hospitals are not going up and obviously ultimately our death rates are not going up um, and we're and we're moving up with positive cases, the long run, it's actually not a bad thing. Okay, because we're seeing people that are affected that are not going to pass it to others because they did not know. And it continues to move on as long as those first two aren't part of that equation. So, um, you know, I, I know it's coming down the pike and I could very easily have denied this whole thing because I know the negativity that we'll, we'll get as a county. But I think the long term part of it will be much more positive. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I have to say Yvonne and Eileen, Councilwoman Yvonne yes. and um, Eileen have been, you know, big proponents of getting 
testing. I mean, we have VNA, but they charge. And Joe and I have been doing a whole bunch of these COVID podcasts once a week or once every other week. And be and I'm sure you know if you don't know Beatrice, you've met Beatrice, yeah, I know Beatrice. Uh, who runs Hispanic Affair or uh, Community Resource Center now. Um, she was talking about the amount of funds that you know early in the pandemic, March, April, May, she was getting people who were coming into Hispanic Affairs saying they weren't well. She was paying a cab to take them to Eatontown to get tested, and then there were some fees associated with the test, and then paying to get back. So, you know, free testing, asymptomatic in Asbury Park, I think, is, is a home run. I think you should fund it as long as you can fund it. Oh, I absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, so, Tommy, one thing, one question that we got for you is, what do you think the state could be doing more of to help municipalities that it's currently not doing? Or do you think the state, there, there's anything that the state could be doing more and they're not doing? So, you know, I, and, and Amy, you know, I, I'm, I've been doing this a long time and I'm not a, a judgmental person. Um, I'm strong on my beliefs and when I, and I expect people to respect my beliefs as much as I respect theirs. Um, will I see that there's some things that they could have done a little different? I think giving guidelines to openings instead of just leaving it kind of open-ended and then faulting people for maybe miscues because they didn't go by a guideline that it wasn't clearly given to them, the guideline, that's something to fault. But at the end of the day, um, I, I just, I have a hard time with the process of why we opened up certain things and not others. Um, you know, I, I mean, when you have a line outside Wegmans around the block, and which means inside is packed. And, you know, the little coffee shop that might have five people that probably has 10 tables that could do every other table if that, if that was their regulations. I think they could have did a better plan of doing, of doing that. But with that being said, nobody's been through this before. Um, and I can assure you, I hope I am never through it anymore. Um, and so... You know, there's, there's, I guess if I sat there and thought about it, but I bet, I bet if you asked the same question to people about the county and they sat and thought about it, I, I'm sure I could have done things better. Um, but it wasn't because it was purposely done. Um, it was probably from the lack of knowledge or education on COVID-19 that I didn't have. Um, but I really don't want to pin it on, on somebody for doing something wrong. I'm a firm believer that we're, we don't quite have it that, but I always said that government was three separate entities, state, county, local, and I, hell or high water, I was bringing in the counties and, and the municipalities together. And I will tell you that if you take a survey in Monmouth County and you ask the freeholders or maybe the names of the individuals, there's a lot more people that know who the, the freeholders are today than they did 10 years ago. And, and that's because, and you know, truly, as you know, I'm a very bipartisan person. Um, I work with all 53 towns. I, you know, I don't work with the Republican towns. Um, only, you know, I work with Republican, Democratic towns and independent towns equally. And I think that's important. And 
One, I totally agree with you. I mean, if I, if I were giving a complaint, I will say like, I get these executive orders and Joseph, we have to wrap this up, but I'm going to make one other complaint is we get these executive <laughs> orders and I can't make heads, you know, John forwards them to me. And it's yeah, like, sure. I don't have a clue. I'm, I, I, you know, I read it four times and I still don't understand it. So I would love clarity in these executive orders. Okay. I'm going to do very fast, quick, fun questions. Place an Asbury that is gone that you loved or that you often oh went to? Um, I'm going to do something that you will never know where it was. So where the, tra where the train station is today, okay, was a, was a tavern called Blackie's Tavern. And if you go back in your history books, it, yep, you're not going to know him. Okay, but that was my grandfather. And I was there oh. my, whole, my whole time there. And, and there was a grocery store on Elizabeth and Springwood, and that mm. was my other grandfather, and then the graf and that same grandfather owned where I was born on Bond and Soul, another uh, little grocery store. So those are my three places that are not there, that uh, are not here, that were here before. Okay, and then these are gonna be quick ones. Favorite movie, Tommy? Always Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> You're a first for Rocky, good for you. And favorite TV series? So, um, I have to tell you, um, it's long gone, okay? It's long gone, um, but there's reruns added, and I watch them at 11 o'clock at night, and that's Miami Vice. Oh, wow. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Miami Vice is responsible for a breakout of people wearing capizios in my high school uh, and I was one of them guys. Yeah, well, <laughs> me too. We all had them. It was sort of the, looking back. I'm like, it's like it was a collective insanity for about three years. I'm like, <laughs> crazy. <clothing. laughs> Tom, Tom I, I have a quick question uh, about your, your runner. I'm a, I'm a runner also. Any chance to pound the pavement for the purple it could be a virtual race in October? So I'm here's the thing. It's funny you say that. So the pound the pavement is on September 26th. I am keeping it in as a run right now. Um, 100%. Um, mm -hmm. Is it subject to change? It absolutely is. But um, I, I'm a true believer of if we're having athletic sports where people are sitting in, in stands and bleachers, um, we could social distance as we're running around the Shark River. And so I'm going to keep it in. But if it should go, there's no way I'm going to stop it. Because last year, I gave the Lust Garden out of uh, Long Island $52,000 mm -hmm. after that race. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of money, and it could possibly have saved lives. So it will be a virtual race if I don't have it live. Okay, I, I, I was asking to change it. I didn't realize it was still on the slate because I was looking at your website. It still has 2019's date. So I, I thought okay. it was still being planned. But um, yeah, because I'm running a virtual 5K for a fundraiser. And I was like, this is a, a pretty good idea rather than canceling it all together. Oh, yeah. I won't cancel it all together. No. There's no way. No well, way. Well, no. maybe I'll join you. <laughs> okay. And wrapping up, um, Tommy, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that um, your administrator, Terry, is just very, very Just FYI. The best. The best. I, uh, the best. She's, she, she is really, she's, she is uh, not only like off the charts, smart and fabulous, but, but I'm a big fan of hers. And your daughter is a teacher in my kid's school at Bradley Elementary, no? Yes, she is. She's yeah. a first awesome. grade teacher. She's going into her um, fourth year there. And, um, you know, so we're, we're real excited. And, you know, so my whole family, just so you guys know, my in-laws, my parents, um, 
my in-laws and my parents, but all four of them have graduated from Asbury High School. And I didn't go to Asbury, but I went to Mount Carmel. Um, so, you know, I was there my whole childhood days there. So it was, it was fun. I was at the Monte Carlo pool. I was at the seventh Avenue pool. We had lockers in each one of them and I worked at Duckies. Oh, wow. Can you get John Moore to do this podcast? Cause anytime I ask him to do my podcast, he tells me to go fuck myself. <laughs> I, can't wait to, I can't wait to text him and tell him I just had a great time. Thank you. All right. Take care, Tommy. Thank you so okay, much. Appreciate so it, we'll Thanks try for to get up. this up quick so people can hear about the grant. Thanks again. You got it. Thank you. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye-bye.